Welcome to today's webinar presented by the Servant Leadership Institute in Carlsbad, California. I'm Carol Malinsky, and I will be hosting today's webinar we are calling Why Kindness Does Matter. With us today will be Art Barter, founder and CEO Hi, of the Servant Leadership Institute and owner and CEO of Daytron World Communications. Joining Art will be Olivia MacGyver, a great friend of SLI. Olivia is the best-selling author of The Business of Kindness, I See You, and Four Generations, One Workplace. She is a passionate social researcher and a leader dedicated to fostering cultures of kindness globally. Good morning, Art and Olivia. Good morning. Good morning. Olivia, great to have you with us today. Um, I wanted to give people a little bit of background. I met Olivia many years ago, probably in the early 2000s at a Greenleaf conference where she taught us old guys in the room about the four generations <laughs> in the workplace and told us to get over a bunch of stuff. And it's taken me a while to get over them, but I'm, I've, I, she's made a difference in my life and some of the younger lives around me. So Olivia, you, you're very special to SLI and me. So we appreciate your influence and really looking forward to having us with you today yeah yeah thank you looking forward to this as well i i was thinking this morning art that uh that the work that of servant leadership the work that you and your folks do and the work of kindness that we are in such alignment together and i i was thinking of all the business books in in the, in the world and we're almost like the bookends of the of all those business books the two the two pieces that the two must-haves in those exactly yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah, if, if anybody in the audience listening today, listening after the webinar, if you haven't read some of Olivia's work, you got to go buy it and read it because it's great stuff. So um, Thank uh, you. it will really help you transform uh, your leadership uh, beliefs and behaviors. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. 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 So before we get started, I just have a couple of housekeeping things. Um, we invite you to live tweet during the webinar using the hashtag SLIWebinars. And later in the program, we will have a Q&A segment. Here's how you can enter your questions. You'll see a tab at the bottom of your screen that says, Ask a Question. Click on the tab and a window will open that will allow you to type in your question. Be especially careful that you don't confuse this with the chat column that's on the right-hand side. What you're going to be looking for is a tab on the bottom of your screen that says, Ask a Question. You can feel free to ask questions at any time during the webinar, and we'll get to as many as we can uh, during that segment of the program. Well, SLI is a leadership development organization dedicated to teaching the implementation of servant leadership. Servant leadership takes that traditional power model and turns it upside down, demonstrating that the leader exists to serve all that he influences. We're honored today to have Olivia and Art with us to have a conversation about kindness and servant leadership and the work both Olivia and Art are so passionate about. 
Art, why don't we get started with you posing the first question to Olivia? All right, you got it, Carol. Uh, good to be with you today, too. Just not <laughs> Olivia, so good to be back in the studio. So, um, yeah, Olivia, um, tell us a little about your story and what prompted you to take on kindness in, in the business as a model and an idea to help people understand the impact kindness can have on people? Mm. Mm. Thanks for that. Uh, I think uh, I, I love the question because I, I really, really believe that everybody's got a story uh, that goes on behind the scenes for us. And that is, you know, that story that gets us up in the morning that to, to go and make a difference in the world. And I think that's really important that everybody on this call think about what their story is. Because in this polarized world that we live in right now, that story is what helps us to make change and to make a difference. And and it's interesting that uh, it's interesting in your language art that you said, uh, "What? Uh, tell me what uh, uh, what prompted you to take on, to take on kindness?" And and all truthfulness, I think kindness took me on. Uh, and so I have to flip that a little bit, kind of like uh, your pyramid is flipped. Because it uh, it wasn't something that I I believe I actually had an option for. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it it came and it found me uh, in many different ways, and I think that we have these defining moments in our life, and they propel us. They either paralyze us or they propel us forward. Those are the two options that we have. And as early on in my career uh, as a young HR professional, uh, I was. I had all these ideals around what, uh, how I was going to put the human back into human resources, to be quite frank. And so I, after a year of going out and uh, managing a whole group of retail stores as an HR manager, I was pulled in for my first performance evaluation. And my VP of HR, uh, you know, after giving my evaluation, said to me, uh, you know, I just I have a piece of advice, Olivia, that I need to give you. And she said, um, I have to tell you that you are never going to be successful in human resources if you continue to wear your heart on your sleeve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, imagine <laughs> being a young emerging uh, professional and somebody gives you this this piece of advice. So, of course, I was devastated. I was paralyzed. And I eventually it propelled me forward. And what I realized was that language is very powerful. It's so powerful that it can lift you up or it can also break you down. And we have to be very careful of what we say to people. And so for a year, I spent thinking it broke me down. And I thought that I was broken and I needed to fix myself somehow. And I became disengaged in my work. I became disillusioned, disenfranchised from a profession that I had chosen because I couldn't bring my whole self to my workplace. And then it was a mentor who came along about a year later and said to me, you know, Olivia, people are going to try to make you who you're not. And you're going to fight that battle until the day you die. And so you need to decide what differentiates you from your colleagues. Mm -hmm. And it was that little piece of wisdom that set me on the path to to uh, consciously being aware to wear my heart on my sleeve and not to apologize for that. You fast forward. I've now been in human resources for 30 years. And I can tell you, honestly, there is nothing I haven't seen in my career. Mm -hmm. And and uh, <laughs> and and really, uh I don't wear it. I don't wear it as a badge of honor. I wear it with great sadness, quite frankly, and it propels me to want to do something because I've I've sat on the bedside of dining out colleagues. I have 
I have signed off on more disability claims uh, than I can imagine. I have seen divorces and bullying and suicides and addictions and workaholism. And on the same side of that, I've seen all the good stuff. I've seen marriages and births and baptism and recovery and healing and education. And so with that, it's, it's really, uh, it's been, um, it's been a great strength for me to realize the potential that we have in our organizations if we just take the time to, to slow ourselves down, to figure out how we can bring that humanity back to the workplace and to, to honor the humanity that's going on, this, this common humanity that we have that we share together as we work. And so I'd say that's, that's what gets me up to do what I do. Well, that's great. That's a great story, Olivia. Um... And, you know, as, as you were talking about the things that you've seen, you know, any leader is put in that position where, you know, we, we just don't get to deal with the good things. Mm -hmm. We deal with the, with the challenges that people have. And that has an impact on us as leaders. You know, those, those stories have an impact on us too, both good and bad. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people realize the mm -hmm. impact on leaders uh, with those type of challenges that we have because um, mm -hmm. we've got we've got our own heart and our own feeling and it's it's sometimes difficult to to push through that and keep going with a smile yeah it is and and the leader uh, you know i have a phrase that i always say that the leader needs a hug as well because we we forget about that person at mm -hmm. the at um at that part of the organization and we we forget that uh, that they are just as human as anybody else is Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grace grace goes two ways. You know, leaders yeah. need grace as much as, as people that follow them need grace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. So, Olivia, from the kindness perspective, is it true, do you think, that, that people are innately kind? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I spent a lot of time researching that and uh, and I, I think it was it was all part of uh, the first book that I wrote on called the business of kindness. We are we are social beings. We uh, we connect uh, and we create community, and that's that's who we are at our very deep core. We're hardwired to be kind and compassionate to one another, and we would not have survived as a species if we weren't. And so, the message that for me, as I go out there and I talk about this. Uh, that, that message for me is that I'm not here to tell you that you're not kind in an organization. What I what I want people to understand is that you are innately kind. I want I want all the people on this call to understand and to know that you're uniquely kind, and that it's when we get pushed up against these pressures of life and work that uh, does our best self emerge. Does this, does the, the kindness emerge that is innately within us? I, I can be the nicest person on the planet when everything is going well in my life, but push me up against the wall of the pressures of life and work, and you may not see that necessarily. And so it's really, uh, this work is about reminding people of who we are, not to change who you are. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask a similar question of Art, because Art, you talk about serving and this question of if is it a natural behavior yeah you know robert greenlee talked about it's starting with a natural feeling to serve 
and I think life has become so yes. complicated over the last 30, 40, 50 years, just like Olivia just said, right. that it's been buried in us and we forget about how we feel about things, to be kind to people, to serve people, to help people. And I listen um, at times to young adults with kids and they tell me their schedule and it's unbelievable. Six, seven yeah. days a week, they're going, going, going. And they go, I don't have time to serve anybody but my family. And I go, well, that's a great thing, number one, that you're serving your family. Uh, but you do have that in to serve and help people. You just got to let it out, like you said, and let it come to the surface. And I think mm -hmm. the pressure in today's world is so great that we've forgotten that it really is important to help other people around us. Mm -hmm. And so today, I don't think we have a natural feeling to serve. I think it's been buried so far that our job is to help people get that feeling back up and then teach them about the behaviors that support a serving mindset. What does that look like? from a behavior standpoint and help them change away from who they don't want to be to someone they want to be. Right. And I think you said it best, Olivia, when, when it's easy to be a serving person when things are going well, it's really mm -hmm. tough to be that same person when things aren't going that well. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we do that across the board and think of others first rather than think of ourselves when things get, get tough? Um, so I don't think today it's a natural feeling. I don't think we start with that natural feeling anymore. I think we have to teach people to bring it to the surface, let it out and see how it can impact their life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. So my next question is for both of you. And it is, what are the benefits to enriching your culture with kindness? Olivia, let's start with you. Oh, sure. I mean, there, there's, tons of research that one can look at. Uh, what I do as a social researcher is I take huge amounts of, of that research and I kind of distill it down so that, uh, you know, what does that mean in an organization? What does that mean on the ground for folks? And for me, there's it, it really comes down to three basic pieces. And that is uh, that it increases optimism in a group. And we know that optimism is a, is a positive contagion. That's what, uh, that's what all of the, the background of it is talking about. But it's what it, even more important, what it does is when you go at something with an opti a sense of optimism, it increases your dopamine levels and that engages your prefrontal cortex. And then you get a group of people who can then collaborate and build trusting relationships with each other. And so kindness sets the, the benchmark for that optimistic group. The second piece I think that it uh, that it does is it builds uh, a deeper level of resilience and and again in today's world resilience uh, there there can't be enough of it. The World Health Organization says that by the year 2020, which is quite literally around the corner from us, uh, that malignant sadness or depression will be the second most debilitating disease in the world. Wow. And there is no HR colleague that I can talk to that isn't saying that they're already starting to see that the increase in in antidepressant drugs, the the um, absenteeism, the, the stress related illnesses that are coming out. And so when it when a team becomes resilient, what they do is they get this opportunity to bounce back more quickly from setbacks and disappointments and they can get back to work because they've got innate skills that are built in that they've uh, now cultivated as well. 
And so the burnout becomes less. Uh, and the third piece would be that there's this sense of increased sense of belonging. Uh, again, we're, we're social uh, people. We, uh, we want to create connection and community with others. And so the, when we see, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but we're seeing a rise in incivility uh, across um, organizations. And some of the research is showing that one incident of incivility, you being rude to me or not thanking me for a job well done, and those are just some of the basics. I mean, incivility can, can get all the way to criminal, mm -hmm. uh, that, that there's actually a decrease in, in a person's effort up to 48% after that incivility has occurred. And so the, when we think about uh, this sense of belonging, uh, then perhaps we can lower uh, the incivility that we have uh, amongst teams. We need to strengthen our social connections. It needs to be a priority in the workplace. And I think kindness is one of the ways that we can do that. That that is wow. fascinating. Wow, 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 wow. I don't yeah. know about you guys. I got a whole bunch of notes here, man. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Um, so let me let me add a couple things from a servant leadership perspective for people yeah. to think about because okay. it, it is when you work on culture uh, and teams feel like they're part of the community, um, they will treat each each other better. Uh, they'll learn to help each other when others are in need. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've seen and experienced is people actually will sense there's something wrong and will reach out to someone before they even ask for help, right? We become more sensitive mm -hmm. about how people feel and whether they're down, whether they're up, uh, et cetera. So I think the team comes around them more um, and helps the ones that are struggling. Um, and one of the stories I remember is the geese story I, I share all the time, Carol, is, is when so, one of the geese are, are down is injured two geese go mm -hmm. and help it right and, mm -hmm. and that's what i was thinking about as you were talking about belonging and community that regardless of what we're going through good or bad the community is the strongest part we can we can we can have in the company because we either succeed together or we fail together mm -hmm. it isn't we have one individual here that's doing great it really is a team effort um and then when you revolve around a great purpose and everyone understands why they do what they do in a, in a company and values are lived, personal values aligned with company values, people go, man, I really want to be here. And I, I can only imagine that has a great impact on the kindness level that people will ex ex you know, pass out to others because they're in an environment where they want to be there. Uh, mm -hmm. They want to get up and go to work. Um, and I remember one CEO of a large company back east once told me, he says, when people leave my campus, my job is to make sure they want to come back in the morning. Mm, lovely. Right? Yeah, mm. want to come back. Yeah. So as I was listening to you talk about optimism, resilience, and uh, belonging, that's all an environment where, man, if we can learn to do that together, we can have a great culture and a great company and have a lot of fun mm -hmm. together, right? And succeed. Yes. Yeah, great. So let's turned a moment to the idea of strategy. Um, Olivia, why does business need to consider kindness as a strategic model? Mm. Well, the way I see it is that we are, we are at an evolutionary place in organizations where the old models aren't necessarily working anymore. 
uh, and they've become <laughs> and they've become quite passe. I, I I've always loved this quote by Dale Carnegie. He says, "If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got." And, uh, and I think that we are we keep doing what we've always done, and we're getting exactly the same result over and over again. And I and I I think it takes a lot of courage to step outside of of uh, of that and look for some new ways, some new language of how we. We are, and we know we're getting what we always got because if you, you can look at the most recent research that shows that one out of seven people globally are disconnect, disconnected and disengaged from the workplace. So we're not improving anything right. on a global level and we need to think globally because our organizations are global. And, and, so, and we also need to keep in mind that kindness isn't a transaction. It's not a checklist that one has. It's a way of being. It's how you show up in your workplace. And that's not something that we traditionally talk about. And, and so we, it's really uh, part of that strategy is now starting. I think we need to start having the conversation of how do we bring our character to the workplace? How does character become part of the strategic model of how we are talking. We've, we've got to go deeper. Uh, engagement, uh, we've been talking about that word at nauseum for years and, and, it, and we are not getting improved, like I said on it. So how can we change, how can we deepen that word? How can we deepen the word team? How can we deepen the word empowerment? When, uh, how can we literally change the language that we're using in workplaces? And I think that that's where the strategy comes, that it needs to be incorporated into that. Uh, you know, we, I'm uh, enough with the bullying, enough with the, uh, with the, um, the competition attitude that we have. I, I think we need to get to coopetition, and that that is at all levels of the of the organization. The strategies need to change, or we're not going to change at the local level, and we're not going to certainly not change at the global level. So I would really challenge uh, the people on the call to to really think about what is some new language that you can explore. What are some some different ways that you can start to look at your strategy and put words in like servant leadership, put words in like uh, mm. kindness, uh, gratitude. Uh, let's find some new ways to language uh, our strategic models. Yeah, that's great. Art, what has been your experience with servant leadership as a strategy? Yeah, you know, I want to comment on something that sure. Olivia said, you know, um, uh, we've got to change the language and we can't be afraid to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, if you yeah. want to work on kindness, let's call it kindness. Don't give it a word that nobody can understand or we we, we write 10 yeah. pages to explain what kindness is, right? <laughs> uh, and that's why we call servant leadership, servant leadership, because serve is a verb and it requires you to do something for someone mm -hmm. else. And so let's call it what it is. And I agree with that man 100%. We've got to change that language. Um, from a strategy standpoint, um, you know, servant leaders, they turn that, that org chart upside down and mm -hmm. they focus on helping other people be successful. But I, I think this is the one thing I want to leave with the audience today. When you're a leader, you need to recognize and meet people where they are and understand that there are some people in the organization that will never be happy with you in the room because the letters, mm -hmm. CEO, in my case, scare people. It scares people. And so for me to get 
uh, the person to really put real problems on the table, I have to leave the room. I can't be in the room. Mm. And leaders don't understand that sometimes the best thing they can do for their teams is get out of their way, get out of the room and let them solve the problems on their own instead of trying to control everything that goes on in the company. And, um, you know, leaders just want to stay involved in everything. And they have to understand that a lot of people won't open up when there is a authority figure in the room. And so we have to create that safe environment. How do we create a safe environment where kindness can actually be elevated in an organization and a focus on servicing other people can be elevated in a company? And that's where we create that safe environment. Um, from a strategy standpoint, creating that safe environment is probably one of the most important things leaders can do because that's when real communication about real problems and real solutions will take place. And a lot of times the leader doesn't have to be involved with that. Let the people who do the work decide that and step away and let it go. And that strategy is part of a culture that, that I'm not sure a lot of leaders understand today. I think to them, mm. strategy is the task list on how we're going to get people to do what we want them to do rather than create a culture where people can thrive, uh, enjoy themselves, enjoy the work they're doing and perform at some levels that just will blow us away. And, and so that's, that's how important this is in strategy for leaders is the culture will trump strategy every day of the week, mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. day. Kindness will trump it every day. And I think that's, that's one of the most important people can understand about strategy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I'll just quickly riff off of that. Uh, you, you mentioned the word safety art. And I, I think that, that if you, if you're looking at your strategy and you want to change some of the language within that strategy, uh, there are three core things that, that need to be embedded into it. And that is that there are three things that everybody wants. And whether that, as you're saying, is at the top, is at the top of the CEO that feels they need to leave the room, or if that is at the very, very front line of an organization, everybody has the three exact needs. And if we can meet those in the strategy, then we can actually start to embed some of those principles in. And that is that people need to feel safe. They need to know psychologically and physically that they are safe to speak up, that their voice counts and that they, it, and that they, uh, that they're being heard. The the second thing is is that they need to feel that um, that what they do matters, that they are making a difference in some way. And the third one is is that they believe that they belong to something, uh, to the team, to something bigger than themselves, uh, but that they ha need to have that sense of belonging. So so safety, uh, that what they do matters, and that they belong are three things that need to be embedded into that strategy. Yeah, you know, Olivia, in servant leadership, um, a lot of times I will tell my team, I just want to be part of the conversation. Mm. And I think at times they misunderstand that, that I want to be part of the decision-making process. And really what I want to be is just part of the community, part of that group that has that discussion ah. about what's going on and be just part of the team. And mm -hmm. People at times have a tough time understanding that when you only bring solutions to your CEO and don't let them participate in the conversation, that that impacts these three things that you said everybody in the organization needs, not mm -hmm. just followers or leaders, but everybody needs those three things. 
And so even your senior leaders need to feel safe. Uh, yeah. They need to feel like they can be heard and their voice can be uh, part of the conversation without people getting all of in a flutter because you have a, a, a title that is seen in the world as a, a title of authority. Uh, just let us be part of the conversation. And, and that's pretty strong stuff that you just laid out those three items. Mm. Yeah, I agree with 100%. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that is really, uh, and thank you for, for having the, the vulnerability to say that. I think one of the, the really awesome things about kindness is that levels the playing field for folks. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't matter what social economic status one has. It doesn't matter what age or gender or culture. It levels the playing field for all of us if it's done correctly. Right. And, and that's exactly what you're saying. Uh, and isn't it interesting? We all, we think of that in terms of the person who, um, who maybe is in a different social economic status or a different, has something different on their business card. And yet that's not what I'm hearing from you. So that's, yeah. Very neat. Yeah, it's it's we all we all want to be part of the community. It doesn't matter yeah. what your title is. Just let me participate in the conversation, and then I'll let you go mm -hmm. make the decision. Um, because part of my role as CEO is to transfer the knowledge about the business I have to the other leaders in the team, so I can step away at the right time. I don't mm -hmm. have to hold on to it forever and go past my prime, right? And so, um, those that's pretty powerful stuff you just laid out for everybody. I mm -hmm. hope everybody listens to this, this again and thinks about what Olivia just laid on the line here. Yeah, that's cool. Great. Well, here's another question for both of you. What do you mean when we say we need to look after our emotional culture? Mm. We need to take care of our I, I love that word, emotional culture. Uh, uh, I, I need to answer this word. It's kind of threefold the way I would answer it. So, um, so bear with me for a quick moment. Uh, I think we need to really understand uh, culture and culture is what happens when you aren't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And if you have to think about it, then it's not uh, a really embedded culture. And it's a way in how we as a collective group, um, it's a shared value, shared experiences, uh, shared stories and behaviors uh, that we have. And hopefully those are the, are the ones that you want that are shared. So I think, so that's one piece is understanding the culture side of that. The other piece is to get a strong culture, you need to have a highly engaged workforce. And I, in my, in my work with, oh, thousands of people over my career, thousands and thousands, I would say that most people don't understand what engagement actually is. And engagement has three pieces to it. And there's a big piece that we're missing in the puzzle. And that goes back to strategy. So one of the pieces that we're missing, so if you look at the three uh, pieces of, of what makes up engagement, it is um, thinking, feeling, and acting. Those are the three component pieces. And what we, we it's how you think cognitively about uh, the roles and the goals and the strategies and the values of the organization. We're pretty good at that in most companies. And then there's the feeling, the emotional, um, the emotional context of, um, of understanding what those goals and those roles and those strategies are in the organization. And when you put how somebody feels about those together 
with how they think about those, then they can act with discretionary service. Right. Then they go above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah. But what we're missing in organizations is the feeling part because yeah. we don't want to talk about that stuff and the emotions. Yeah. So all that we want to do is we're going to say, okay, I'm going to tell you cognitively what are the goals and the roles and the strategies. And then I want you to go out and act with discretionary service. And then we wonder why we have one out of seven people aren't engaged in the work that they're doing. Well, it's because we don't want to talk about the emotional culture with folks. And the the emotional, you know, we, we look at the, you know, I think of an organization as a live breathing. If you look at the word organ, organization, the first five letters are organ. I mean, it's a breathing uh, entity if you allow it to be. We look at the, we look after the physical being of that, the environment, the building. We look after the, the mental, the intellectual capital of the employees that are there. We look after the financial and the bottom line. But we don't want to talk about the emotional part of that body. And uh, and who are we without our emotions? Our thinking is very impacted. Our thinking is very limited if we don't include the emotional piece of how people feel. And what we need to do is manage people's feelings as much as we manage their mindset. And we're not willing to do that yet in organizations. And for me, the whole movement of kindness is about managing that emotional culture piece. Right, right. And, you know, feeling never makes it to the top of the task list, right, Olivia? <laughs> it never, it never yeah. makes it to the task list. Right? I'm going to work on yeah. it because nobody wants to talk about it. And what I find uh -huh. curious uh, in, in talking with leaders, helping them to understand that when they get a negative reaction from someone when they're interfacing with them, that 90% of the time it has nothing to do with them. It has mm. to do with the past experience with, a, with a, another leader, something that goes on with, with the, where their emotional state is, and it has nothing to do with you as a leader. So set your own feelings aside and go try and understand what that person is feeling. And, and you know, empathy is that part where when a mm. leader can actually feel what that other person is feeling, now we're really ready to serve them. But if we're not willing to take the time to listen to, to understand what they're feeling, and feel that way, and we keep our own emotional barrier up, there's no way we can help that person because we're not willing to help ourselves first in dealing with the feelings that we have. And yeah. um, that, that, that F word is so strong uh, that a lot of leaders don't understand. It's a, it's a big issue. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, you wore your heart on your sleeve. Leaders yes. need to let their hearts out and be vulnerable and talk about their challenges and let people know that, hey, we're real people and we have real issues too and challenges um, and that nobody's perfect. And understanding that life in general impacts how people behave, the better we can understand people and why they do things the way they do based on their experiences and their stories, man, that, now we can help them. We can help them get better. We can help yeah. them grow. We can help them move on. Um, and then I think the other thing that's important is there are some people that you're never going to be able to help. And leaders need <laughs> to understand that there are some people that just don't trust anybody and have done it for so long that there's no way they're going to trust anyone the rest of their life. And don't feel like you've failed. It's just that person's not willing to accept the hand that you're extending out to it mm -hmm. to you know, get past that 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 challenge they're having. So understand that not everybody's really ready to do this. And 
you hit it dead on. People and companies don't want to talk about feelings. They want to mm -hmm. talk about tasks, strategies, initiatives, goals, and but don't tell me how you feel because I really don't care. You know, how many times have we heard that in, in corporate worlds where I don't want to know your feelings. I want to know what you did yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And unless you get to that, unless you're willing to take the time to to listen to people and to help them work through the emotional. And it doesn't mean you have to be a counselor. It just means you need to hear somebody say something out loud and then and they diffuse that emotion as soon as they've had an opportunity to express it. It's it's not uh, it doesn't take a lot of time right. uh, to do that, and, uh, and to reach out. You know, one of the things I, I, I try and tell leaders to understand is turn your phone off or mm -hmm. upside down, not on vibrate, turn it off, stick it in a drawer or something, turn your computer <laughs> off or go to an environment that has some couches or the lunchroom or somewhere where you can't be distracted and give that person your full attention to try and, but you can't do it when you're multitasking. You just can't mm -hmm. do it. Um, and we've got to get out of this multitasking world that we're in. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, we need to start in, well, part of that is is the strategy. It goes back to that. If you start to embed that, uh, if you start to embed empathy, if you start to embed uh, parts of their emotional culture into job descriptions, into your hiring practices, that that's the kind of people that you're looking for, then we start to turn the culture around. Right. Uh, we don't do that if we don't give people permission to do it. So it, it's um, what's interesting is when you start down this path of, of culture change and you want to help people understand what empathy is all about, that requires us as leaders to reflect on who we are and who we want to be. And that, mm -hmm. that's another scary thing of a, emotional intelligence that, that leaders don't realize because you really have to start with yourself, right? Um, yes. But you touched on something earlier. I'm going to go back to uh, with another question. You, you mentioned character. And I really believe that we need to change our hiring practice to hire for character first and competency second, instead of hiring for competency and then wondering why the person's not working out because they don't fit into our culture, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Hire for that character that we're looking for first. Yeah. 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 Great Good. stuff, Olivia. Great stuff. Um, so, Olivia, is there a reason you use the term culture enrichment rather than culture change? Yes, uh, and that has been uh, the school of hard knocks that have taught me that one. Uh, I, I have been uh, I've been on this journey uh, well uh, for a long time personally, but I would say more overtly uh, in organizations for the last twenty years. And one of the things that I've come to is that this isn't uh, kindness uh, is not about changing your culture. And because there's nothing wrong with your culture, you've worked hard for that culture. Uh, you've created your vision, your mission, your values. Uh, you you have branded it, uh, and and you need to be proud of that and take ownership of that. And so, kindness has nothing to do with changing culture. What it's about is is enriching or enhancing your culture with some different ways of how you can practice. Right. And that's why I don't use the word culture change because I'm not out to change anybody's dynamic of what they've, of what they've done in that brand that they've done. It's, um, it's about embedding those, 
those character pieces that you're talking about, Art. Uh, how do we embed good character traits in? How do we embed and, and weave in uh, kindness principles and um, uh, philosophies into everything we do from the time that we hire? It's the entire life cycle of an employee, basically. Right. Uh, how do we change and embed into that? That's how you enrich a culture. It's not about changing a culture. Yeah, you, so you that, yeah, yeah. Once, like, like once you put that purpose and values in, now it's working it, elevating it, mm -hmm. enriching it, whatever you want to call it. It's just hey, we need to get better at it, and we and and that just a, a continual change to get better. Um, uh, Olivia, let me ask you: mm -hmm. you, you have uh, something called the Kindness Engagement Index, and as mm -hmm. a person with a finance background and an I, I love love indexes. I, I do a trust index that I just love, right? So yeah. tell me a little bit about this kindness engagement index. Well, you know, this is really interesting uh, because I have for many, many years, anybody who knows me well uh, knows that I have fought up against creating a kindness engagement index because it, for me, it's like, it's kindness. Why do I need to? Why do I need to prove that it actually works? Right. Come on! Right. Uh, it, and yet, uh, I I knew that that was an important piece to do because we we measure in organizations. That's how, that's how we are. And so what it is is it's based on the three themes of kindness that I have, which is kindness to colleagues, kindness to self, and kindness to community. And those are the, the three main themes. And underneath each of those themes over the years, what I have uh, after this 30 years in HR, uh, what I have learned is what creates a really uh, a kinder environment and what creates that engaged environment. And putting those two together, uh, I have 12 character building traits that I call them. And so each of those three themes, kindness to oneself is an example is where you start because you, if you're not kind to yourself then you have nothing to give away to anybody else there are four character traits that go under that so as an example that would be authenticity attitude excellence and resilience kindness uh, to colleagues is about trust and compassion and friendship and kindness to community could be your community that you work with your community at large that would be things like responsibility integrity inclusion and service and so those 12 traits are dimensions and we are able to go in with two questions for each of those, and we can measure the dimension of each of those in your organization. So we are able to stand back at 30,000 feet and say, you know, this is a snapshot of where we see based on these three themes and these 12 traits uh, to be able to, uh, to hear what people are saying. And so what we're doing is we're going beyond your traditional engagement and we're going down into the emotional culture of the organization, gotcha. Gotcha. being able to look at it. Uh, and, uh, and it's been very interesting, uh, the results that we're starting to see, some patterns are starting to emerge now. That That is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I think we ought to do another webinar just on the, on the, the kindness <laughs> engagement index that you're talking about, because that's, that's just fascinating to me. So my takeaway is that, that you're actually peeling away the engagement um, aspect that we all love to measure, companies love to measure engagement. What does that really mean? What are the components of that? And how do we get down to the level and measure below the engagement to really mm -hmm. see what we can do to improve that in our in our in ourself, in our colleagues and in our community? I think that's 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 amazing. Yeah, so we're, we're measuring the emotional culture, I guess you could say, in a sense. And, you know, one of the interesting things that we've learned is that in the helping professions, uh, resilience comes up 
standardly very low. And that is a huge aha moment for people when they're able to actually to, to actually see that they're not looking after themselves and wonder why they have no reserve left for anybody else. Uh, you know, another thing that we're starting to see is this triangle, I call it, where uh, when friendship is low and inclusion is low, trust becomes low. Yep, yep. And, and how important that triangle of friendships and inclusion is. Right. Uh, so it's giving people some really interesting tools to be able to go, ah, oh, I can work with that. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll support that and tell everybody the, that the indifference we show people is probably one of the worst things we can do to, to an individual mm. is the indifference we show people. Um, and that goes along with what you're saying, Olivia. Yeah, great. Wow, this is amazing mm. stuff. Wow. So I'm going to ask one more question as a closing question, and then we're going to go to our audience. What would be a couple of things you would recommend listeners do differently tomorrow? And this is for both Olivia and Art. Mm. I, I would start off and say, look at yourself first mm -hmm. uh, and start with yourself. And anything that, that you heard uh, Olivia talk about or I talked about, pick one or two items that you start with yourself tomorrow. Uh, don't start with someone else and say someone yeah. else needs to improve. Yeah. Start with yourself and go, what can I improve in uh, so that I can get better as a person and start with yourself? Yeah. Mm. Olivia, how about you? I'm going to add on to that uh, and that I would I would ask uh, the guests to really go back to your organization and do a very simple exercise. And that is to look at, at the team that you work with directly. Look at uh, look at your organization as a whole and think about it in terms of I'm almost um, bringing out, uh, tapping into all of your senses and uh, and looking at what would kindness look like, feel like and sound like in our organization if we enriched our culture with that. Mm -hmm. And you can also take that um, another step where you can say what what does our current culture look like, feel like, and sound like, uh, and see what you actually come up with. And then by enhancing it with that little bit of kindness, what could you do a little bit differently around that? Yeah. The other thing I would suggest is that you need to start changing the conversations. We mm. need to start having more positive conversations. We can't keep doing what we're doing, mm. and we can't keep complaining. And, uh, and not taking responsibility and accountability in our workplaces. And uh, all of my work is based on uh, stop blaming everybody else if you're not happy at work and let's start figuring out what works for ourselves to bring, to, to take responsibility for our own joy and happiness right. in the workplace. Exactly. And so, so please start thinking about uh, how are you gonna change those conversations? How are you gonna have more positive conversations? Uh, because, it, quite frankly, we will gravitate to the negative as human beings, uh, and if we do, if we do not if we do not um, focus on the positive, right, and do that Please. do that with yourself Please. and yeah. with others. You know that positive conversation is yeah. is that person you see in the in the mirror every morning. Have a positive conversation with that person, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to impact how you interface with other people the rest of the day. So. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it's both the internal conversation with ourselves and with other people. Great, great stuff, Olivia. Mm -hmm. Just great stuff. Okay, wonderful. Are we now, ready to go to questions? We're, we're going to go to questions now. Cool. 
And all Art, right, you're on deck to read those questions. I am, huh? Yes. Let's see, if you had, <laughs> had to pick one thing, what would it be to increase kindness in the workplace? Just one thing. What do you think, Olivia? Uh, I I would say I'm gonna. I, I will. I will uh, say something that uh, that is. Uh, it's uh, something we use. It's been around for years, but I've uh, and I use it in a, around kindness. And it is the big aha moment for folks because if you give somebody a quick tool, they they'll tend to use it. And that is before you speak or take any action, ask yourself three questions: Is it truthful what you're about to say? Is it necessary that you say it at all? Because we say a lot of very unnecessary things. No and uh, and above all else, can you say it or do it with kindness? Right, right. Uh, I would add to that just to treat everyone you come in contact with dignity and respect. And sometimes that's difficult to do. And if you don't do it, go back and apologize for it. And a 24 to 48 hour part, don't, don't let it lie. Um, because sometimes the apology has a bigger impact than the mistake you made and you can, you mm. can track. Yeah. When treating everybody with dignity and respect. Yep. Great, great response. Great question. Great response. Um, what's the next one here? What most motivates companies to embrace kindness? What's a company motivation to, to, to embrace? It? Well, uh, Quite frankly, uh, you get two different types. You get one who uh, the leader already believes in in what uh, in kindness principles, and uh, and they'll either do it because it's it's innate within them, and they want to uh, they want to expand that as an engagement philosophy. The other one is because there's there's a pain point, and right. that pain point is yeah. what we're doing isn't working. What are we going to do differently? Right. And and they can see this escalation of incivility, this escalation of of bullying in the workplace, uh, and they want to find a new way. Right. They want to have new language. And and I would I would encourage you to beware of the leader that's looking for a quick fix to save their back. I've run into mm -hmm. those that you know they want to look at servant leadership, but they want to implement it in the next ninety days because they need better results. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's got to be for the right reasons uh, with that. So be careful with that. The next one, Olivia, is for you. In interactions with an executive like the one you described, one who tells you not to bring heart to the job, what technique, mm -hmm. techniques and approaches have worked in turning that executive around? I think the key there is that you have to allow them to get in touch with their emotions first. Um, you can't tell somebody what to do. All you can do is, is put it in front of them and suggest. And so when people find their own stories, when people find their own humanity, that's when you tend to see the change happen. Uh, empathy is something that is, it's a learned behavior. Some of it is nature and a lot of it is nurture. Mm. And, and so we need to really, uh, really almost go back and do some education around uh, with that individual, right. around what that is for them. And for them to realize that, that it's okay to be authentic. It's okay to wear your heart on your sleeve and not park part of who you are in the parking lot when you come to work. Uh, and they need permission to do that first. And that's not always easy because you're right, Art, at that level, 
uh, we've we've removed that privilege from from the C-suite, and that's really sad. Exactly. We, too, we see it as a sign of weakness instead of a, strength, a sign of strength. Too many pedestals. Uh, yeah. At that level, and people forget that hey, executives are are people too, and they mm -hmm. have feelings and they have needs. Uh, and it, it, it isn't easy for them to be put on a pedestal and be expected to be perfect all the time and mm -hmm. you know, not be able to apologize, et cetera, because it, it is in some organizations seen as a sign of weakness if you have to apologize for something you did, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great input. Let's see. Next, the next, next question. As a leader who has been in control and had to lead the conversation, perception of the organization, how do you shift your organization's culture so they understand that the leader just wants to be part of the conversation. Great question. Mm. Great question. Um, I will jump in here and go, you know, a leader who creates a safe environment uh, where a leader can be challenged, a leader can be um, seek input and ask for input and receive it in the right way. Um, but I think the safety part is the biggest thing that's needed for people to understand that somebody with three letters after their name doesn't have full control of all the problems, all the solutions, everything that's right for the organization. It really is a team effort. And, you know, this is a tough one because leaders who have been in control for a while don't give that control up very easily. It's a big step and a big transformation. And if you have a leader that's starting down that path and you see improvements, support those little steps because it's those little steps in the beginning that's going to get to the big steps in the end, those little changes in behavior that, that you see. So support them and know that they're going to make mistakes because um, we've been in the power model. I was in the power model for a long time, and I still have some of my power model behaviors come out of the closet when I get under a stressful <laughs> environment. I, it, it's just part mm -hmm. of, of, of what happens to people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think? Yeah, Ellen? and I, well, I would add to that, that the leader needs to take some responsibility as well. Uh, get out of your office, get on the front line, walk around, uh, hear people's stories and pay more attention to the stories than you are the tasks, yep. as Art has mentioned. And when when you do that, uh, and people know that they feel safe with you, there are no consequences uh, for speaking up and, and voicing, uh, then people will start to invite you to the conversation. But the more the more that you create that hierarchy, uh, the less invite you're gonna have, because, because uh, just as Art Saney has old patterns, there are old patterns that are embedded in the organization that are right. that, uh, around the perceptions of the, of the leader. So I think the leader is the one that has to step out uh, and get out of the office and get out of the meetings yeah. and, and go to people on a one-to-one -one human basis with people. Yep, yep, I, I agree 100%. And a lot of times in meetings where problems are being talked about, step out and let the conversations go on without you. That's, that's how we create that safe environment for people to change is it is step away and let the team take what you've trained them on, take the education, make the decision and come back and mm -hmm. tell you what the decision is and then support that decision. Don't, don't try and overrule it. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing time-wise here? We got a question, <coughs> question here. 
Um, how do you deal with people who are not willing to trust you? Well, that's a loaded question. Well, that why one, is it though? It? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you know, trust is such an interesting topic. We could do an entire uh, hour on that one quite easily. Uh, but thank you for the question because I think it is a, a really difficult one. Uh, you know, the, the thing I've learned about trust in organizations is that so much of it is about perception and that my perceptions, my reality around that particular topic, there really, there are no five flamethrowers of how to build trust as far as I'm concerned. The best thing you can do is to put it on the table and to, if, if you sense that a person or people do not trust you, then you need to just face front that and, uh, and have that conversation and say, this is the perception that I have. Uh, and, and let's talk about that in a safe environment where we can, where we can figure out what that looks like and what, because trust looks very different to very different people. And, there and, is no yeah. perfect bullet for it. Yeah. And I, I would encourage people to look at your behavior and see if you're extending that trust that you desire to have in return, because there are behaviors that support a trusting relationship. And then what Covey says is there's counterfeit behaviors. And what I do when I have a, have a, have a relationship that's a little, little stressful, I'll start with what are the counterfeit behaviors that I'm doing to impact that relationship? And if I'm willing to change and do some things different, the other person may be willing to change and do some things different. And, and that gets mm -hmm. that, that, that going. But having that safe conversation you talked about, uh, that courageous conversation, it all starts with that conversation and do it with good motives and mm -hmm. with the motive to improve the relationship, not to prove that I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. That's not what it's about. Build a good trusting relationship um, to the betterment for, for everyone, both people, not just, hey, I win because I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, are we, uh, we're pushing it here a little bit, right? Okay. Um, Olivia, um, do you have any, any stuff, Carol, you need to do or? Um, the only thing I wanna do is uh, talk about it for a minute about our conference because Olivia is going to be there. Oh yeah, I, I am so looking forward to it. Olivia, I already, I already <laughs> have four pages of notes here, so I can't wait to get you to the conference and just sit in front All right. and take a bunch of notes. So, um, good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So, uh, Carol, go ahead and tell everybody about our conference. Okay. Well, we have a conference, our, our annual servant leadership conference coming up this March 4th and 5th with a welcome reception on March 3rd. And it will be taking place this year in Carl's right here in Carlsbad. Right here in our hometown. Our hometown. Yep. And which is about 30 miles north of San Diego at the Weston Resort and Spa. And just as we do every year, we will bring you fantastic speakers on the subject of servant leadership and kindness. Olivia is going to be one of our speakers at yep. the conference. Can't wait. And, you know, we like to keep our conferences very intimate and give people the opportunity to talk with our speakers and other attendees. So it's important that you reserve your spot now. Um, you can go to our website, www.servantleadershipinstitute.com, 
and you'll see lots of information about the conference. So any thoughts you'd like to leave us with as we close today's webinar, Olivia and Art? Mm. Well, my final thought would be to, to keep making a difference out there. Uh, wear your heart on your sleeve, be courageous, have those conversations, put new words into your vocabulary and, uh, and don't back down from those words. And, and when you're looking at kindness, it's, you know, just keep making a difference one, one person and one kind act at a time, because I think that's how we start to change our workplace. It's not about the big stuff. It's just those one simple conversations, those one act of kindness at a time that, right. that shifts things. Yeah. And a lot of times that's a random act of kindness, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't one that's planned out or et cetera. Sometimes right. just saying hi to somebody in the morning and ask them how they're doing with a smile uh, is, is what it's all about. And just be kind to each other. So treat everybody with dignity and respect. Uh, as Olivia said early on in the environment we're in today where everybody just seems to be colliding with each other, can't agree on things. We need to have civility. We need to treat each other with dignity and respect. We need kindness in the workplace, in our lives, in our communities, in ourselves so much that, uh, wow. I, I just want to thank Olivia for spending time with us today, uh, impacting My me pleasure. personally. I, I, you really influenced me today. I hope that the audience has been influenced. Uh, I know I took a lot of weight, so. Thank you for your servant's heart, Olivia, and mm. we're looking forward to seeing you in March. And I look forward to it. I yeah. just want to add one more thing. If you'd like to learn more about Olivia and her work, her website is kindness-speaks.com. Olivia, it's a joy to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll see you at the conference in March. See you in March. I look forward to it. Yeah, Thank you. Here, and all Bye, of our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in, and you have a great rest of your day. Have a great day, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Registration for our upcoming 2019 Servant Leader Conference is open. The theme this year is, Are You Able? It's a simple question that holds a lot of weight. Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to get all the details about how to register. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.